My spirit's ready to receive. God for answered prayers. Thank you for his faithfulness and his healing power, saving power. And I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not just an experience that happened for me in June of 94. And that is quite a number of years ago. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was a reality in my life today. Amen. I want him to be a reality in my life every day. Amen. We're going to let Sister Pam and little ones be dismissed tonight. If you have your Bible and want to read with us, we're going to read out of the book of Acts, chapter number 8. begin reading with verse number 25. Acts chapter number 8, beginning with verse number 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise. Go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, or sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way re rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Amen. I want to preach on the joy of cheerful obedience. Yes. The joy of cheerful obedience. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray that by the Spirit of God you would speak to our heart, anoint the preaching, anoint our ears to hear what you would have us to hear, O oh God, and receive of your Spirit. And I pray, O oh God, again that you would look upon every need that's in this house tonight, that you would meet those needs through Christ by his riches and glory. God, but most of all, I pray that we would leave this house, O oh God, having received this word with meekness. And I pray, O oh God, it make us wise and that we would learn that there is great joy in cheerful obedience. That we would not only be hearers of the word, oh God, you'd make us doers. Then our reward would be revived. Grant it, we pray, 
We ask it in Jesus' name. You love him, would you say amen? amen. This has always been one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts, a very powerful, action-packed chapter. One of the things of note, I didn't read, you could really read this entirety in chapter number 8, verses 1 through 40, and it never gets dull. It just picks up with action and boom, 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 to it climaxes into Philip being raptured out of a body of water into the city of Azotus, where he preached himself all the way to the city of Caesarea. But the Bible said during this time that Saul, he's talking about Saul of Tarsus, or who would later be known as the Apostle Paul. Paul is not saved as of yet. And he was consenting unto the death of, of many of the saints of God. And, it, and in verse 1 it says, And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. All the apostles had remained in Jerusalem and in Judea. It was actually believers that, the, that Saul of Tarsus was hunting down. The Bible said that he was uh, hailing both men and women off to prison and persecuting them severely, so much so that believers were being scattered. As far as we know, there were only a few thousand believers. There were only a few thousand Christians in all the world, and they were all wadded up in Jerusalem and in Judea. You remember the last thing that Jesus had told the apostles before his ascension? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. We understand that he told them not to do it until they had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost had came, and we've gone through Acts chapter 2, through chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and now we've walked into chapter 8, and it's almost as if the Lord is looking at the timeline. You know, I've only got 26 chapters here. I'm eight chapters in, and they haven't made it out of Jerusalem and Judea yet. <laughs> if that's the Lord's timeline, in which to give us a picture of the early church. The Lord said, I got to get these boys to move. I got to get these folks. Did they love God? You better believe they did. Were they full of the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. Name was written down in the book of life. They were full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, full of apostolic power and authority. I mean, power in Acts chapter number five, Philip's walking down the street and men are getting healed when his shadow hits them. You can't tell me he ain't saved. You can't tell me he doesn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But sometimes, even though we're saved and even though we're full of the Holy Ghost, even though we operate in the gifts and in the power of the Spirit, sometimes God needs to nudge us on to greater victories. He needs to usher us into a greater inheritance or a greater reward. I, I'm a firm believer that as good as God has been, you've only scratched the surface of what God really wants to do in your life. David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. The word taste there meaning experience. There are experiences in God that if you never 
leave your comfort zone, you'll never have those experiences. There are men in the book of Acts that Paul commends to the church. I, memory fails me now which chapter it is, uh, but he is commending these co-laborers, these fellow laborers, these other preachers to the church and asking the church to receive them and greet them in his name. He said, for these men have hazarded their lives for the gospel and for your sakes. These men have put their necks on the line. These men have, uh, you know, faced life and death situations. Saul of Tarsus was hunting them down, trying to kill them, and now they are his dearest friends as the Apostle Paul. If anybody could have said with a pedigree these men have hazarded or risked their lives for the gospel's sake. Paul was telling them, I, so many times I come this close to catching these guys, and if I would have caught them, I would have killed them. The Bible said that it was due. Verse 1, at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. It was at the burial of Stephen where devout men was carrying him to his grave and mourning over his body that during this time Saul was making havoc to the church, hauling people off to prison. He wouldn't even let them bury the man. He captured them at the funeral and was carrying them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Do you know that that's not found any, anywhere prior to chapter number eight until God has to use persecution to scatter them? There's just some seasons in your life God is going to have to put you in the pressure cooker. God's going to have to let difficulties come to your life. God's going to need to put you into some impossible situations to get you to trust him for greater things than you ever have before. But really, God's wanting his will to be accomplished. And he's wanting his church to get out of it's comfort zone Amen. to get out of the place where they just kind of are sitting at ease inside. All right. yes, and you would have thought, now the Apostle Paul's not saved yet, so it can't be him. But you would have thought it's it probably going to be John the Beloved, the one who loved Jesus the most. He's going to lead the charge of going into all the world. If not him, then surely it's going to be the Apostle Peter. And I will say that the Lord did use Peter to save Cornelius and his house, who were of the Italian band, who were not Jews, but he was dwelling in Jerusalem. Peter was getting people saved, but he still hadn't left the comfort zone of the normal surroundings or the environments of home and the thought of Gentiles even at home in Jerusalem being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost stirred a lot of folk up. Peter still had such in his heart. He would later be rebuked for it by the Apostle Paul. But when he was sitting with a group of Gentiles and John and James and leaders from the church in Jerusalem came in. He swapped seats and left the Gentiles and went and sat with the Jews. And Paul rebuked him for it. He says, there's something wrong with the Gentiles? Are they of the wrong tribe? Are they of the wrong nationality? Are they of the wrong skin color? I mean, are they any lesser Christian than the Jews, and do you know what Paul did? He or what Peter did? He received the rebuke. Yes, he did. He, did. he said, 
You're absolutely right. I did wrong. Sometimes uh, it's uncomfortable for us to get out of our comfort zone. We're comfortable maybe on our job site because those are the guys we've made relationships with. Those are our buddies and we'll talk all day long to them. But we won't talk to nobody else. Sometimes we won't cross the denominational line. Well, I know them, they go to the Church of Christ or they go to the Baptist Church or they're Methodist or they're this or they're that. But if they're living like the devil, I still need to talk to them about Jesus. Well, I know that that's my neighbor and I don't want to ruin my relationship with them. Do you know that if you don't talk to your neighbor about Jesus, God's going to ask you why you didn't on the day of judgment? Why didn't you ever bring him up in conversation? Why didn't you ever ask him if they died, if they knew where they was going? Is it going to be heaven or hell? Well, I, most of them will tell you, I, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. But you got to do more than hope. you got to know this is a no-so salvation. Why didn't you ever talk with them about why they didn't know where they was going? About if they had been born again. It took persecution to move the church out of their comfort zone. And it was Philip, we call him Philip the Evangelist, but actually Philip was a deacon in the church. He went down to the city of Samaria. He got out of Jerusalem and Judea and went to that horrible place called Samaria and preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto the things which Philip, which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. I want you to notice that when we obey the gospel, God will confirm the word yes. with signs following. Yes. If you will simply obey the gospel, you'll see miracles. Right. I never seen a miracle, ever, until I started preaching the gospel. Everybody's not called to preach, but... I'm just going to tell you, you can tell somebody about Jesus. Yes. And if you'll talk to them about Jesus when they need prayer, guess who they're going to call? Yes. You. The one who talked to them about Jesus. That's who they're going to call. You're their lifeline. You're their extension to the throne room. And if you have obeyed, when you pray for them, you will see Miracles. Amen. He said the, the, the people with one accord gave heed to the things Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Even a, a, a man named Simon who was a sorcerer, you could have called him just a, a biblical day witch is what he was. Yeah. He was in sorcery and witchcraft. He got saved. The Bible said that they believed on the name of Jesus Christ and were baptized both men and women. Verse 13 said, Then Simon himself believed also and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as of yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that when 
Peter and John had went back to Jerusalem that the whole city was filled with great joy. And it's right there that we pick up our text. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Here's the one guy who was obedient and left Jerusalem and Judea and was the first man to preach unto the Sumerians and got them saved. Then Peter and John went down behind Philip's preaching and seeing that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then what did Peter and John do? They went back to Jerusalem. Not Philip. Philip stays and he carries on the good work. And the Bible said, the Holy Ghost said, I want you to arise and go down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And the next verse says, he arose and went. Here's a man who God would not allow nor ordain to be comfortable. I've never seen this before, ever. But God reminded me today the times that I used to ride up and down I-65. Every now and again, we'd have to get off that Atmore exit and I'd pass those two prisons. I was young in the Lord, full of the Holy Ghost, so fervent in my desire to preach to anybody who would listen. And my heart's desire was, God, I want, to, I, I want to get in those prisons. I want to preach to those men. I must have prayed that earnestly for two or three years. And I was talking to Brother Pete Spackman one day. He was the prison director for the School of Christ. He said, Brother Eddie, he said, how far do you live from Atmore? I said, about an hour and 20 minutes maybe. He said, oh, that's not very far. I said, no, not really. He said, we need somebody to go into the Atmore prisons, both of them, and preach the school of Christ for us. He said, would you be interested? I said, I am. I am. We went, we first had to get, uh, go through that class to where or, the orientation. We had to go through the orientation and be approved to be able to go in. When we went in, they took nails and homemade knives and all kind of stuff, any kind of prison weapon they had confiscated through the years. Told us what they, this is a nail shank and this is a blade shank and this is, you know, they take glass and make knives out of broken pieces of glass or whatever. They said, look, when you go in here, these are the worst guys in the state of Alabama. These, these are the worst of the worst. We was at Holman, one where there's death row. And they said, these are rapists, murderers, cop killers. You know, just, these are the worst men in all the state of Alabama. And you're asking us to let you inside with these men. And bars aren't going to separate you. Wires aren't going to, you're going to be in the yard with the worst men in the world. These are the kind of instruments they're going to want to thrust into your body. And he said, in the past, what they, they get a bright idea that you are important. And they're going to put one of these to your neck and say, if you don't open the gate and let us out, we're going to cut his head off. And he said, I'm telling you today, I'm going to tell him. You're going to have to cut his head off and roll it to me because you ain't ever getting out. He said, I need you to understand. Our priority number one is keeping these men inside this prison no matter what. Your life and your protection is priority number two. Well, you'd be dumb if it didn't scare you. You'd just be dumb. 
And the guys that were with me, I took two men with me. They wasn't just scared, they were really scared. I was I was the one that had been praying to get in. They hadn't. I'd been praying to get in. And I was a little scared. They said, All right, you still want to go? We're gonna take y'all on a tour. Oh, them inmates, man, they really get a kick out of those tours. They started cursing at us and saying all kinds of stuff to us, what what they would do to us. We came in there where they was at. I, that kind of intimidated me, but as I was walking past the death row wing, we were getting ready to go out into the yard. The Lord spoke these words to my heart. He said, don't fear what any of these men can do to you. He said, because from this day forward, I'll put my love in your heart that I have for these men. And you're going to begin to love them like I love them. I can't explain to you what happened to me other than I didn't look at them as inmates anymore. I looked at them as lost men. And no matter where, where they had been or what they had done or what their background was, my chiefest priority was to see to it that I preached to them the gospel so that they could get saved. I preached to cop killers. I preached to men that had killed their wives in a fit of rage. I, mostly what I preached to was young black men that had been charged with felony drug possession three times and Bill Clinton's three strikes and you out had landed them in maximum five security prison, life without parole for the rest of their life, and they were just young, dumb, stupid kids hanging with the wrong crowd. And they looked at the prospect of never getting out of prison, and nearly every one of them had tried to kill themselves but chickened out. I looked at young black men without much hope in the whole world, and I'm a young white man. And what the world is saying to me is you can't relate to that young black man because you don't know what he's gone through, what he feels like, and you, you live with white privilege. He's been oppressed his whole life. There's no way you can form a, a bond or a connection or you have any kind of feeling for them. I'm just telling you, the Lord, before there was critical race theory, the Lord just said, I'll put my love in your heart for them. And I loved them, and I went, and I preached for three years in there. The only reason I'm not still in there preaching is because the church, Bible way, went through a time where we were just so low. Uh, we didn't know if we was going to continue to be a church. That's how low we was monetarily. And, and I just said, I'm not going to receive a salary if the church is that low monetarily. I'm going to go get a job. And when I got a job, it pulled me out of the prisons. I couldn't go. I was in there two days a week for three hours at a time on Thursday and in each prison and then all day. Uh, about six hours in Holman and about three and a half in, in Fountain. So it was pretty much all day on Saturday I was in the prison. So I got pulled out. We wept, cried, but also rejoiced at what God had done. I seen God, I, I had revival in the prison yard. Yes. I, I seen some of the vilest, most wicked homosexuals get born again in the prison. Yes. I seen guards, prison guards, they either hated my guts or loved me. But I had a prison guard one time get saved in one of our services. <coughs> Said all that to say this, I'd never seen this before. Said the Spirit said unto Philip, go near, join thyself to this chariot. Make yourself one with a black man from Ethiopia that you have nothing in common with and that no Jew would dare talk to. Make yourself one with him. Join yourself 
to this chariot. And the next verse, verse number 30, shows you how full of the Holy Ghost Philip was and how much in love with Christ Philip was. Read these words and let them impact your heart like they did mine. Philip ran to the chariot. He ran to the chariot to get to it. And when he heard what he was reading, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except somebody teach me? And the Bible said he started from the very place where the eunuch was. You got to start where they are. You can't expect people to start where you are. You got to start where they are. Does God love drunks? He does. He don't love alcohol, but he loves drunk men. Does God love drug addicts? Every one of them. Does God love uh, promiscuous and fornicating young people? Yep. And he loves promiscuous, fornicating old people too. If he didn't, we'd all be in bad shape. Amen. The Apostle Paul's message was, uh, he said, this is a faithful saying and one worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners uh, of whom I was the chief. His passion for Christ was this, that when the Lord spoke to his heart and said, go join yourself uh, to that man, a black man riding in that chariot. I want you to talk to him. He ran. He took off. He sprinted to the chariot. The joy of cheerful obedience. We We want to claim obedience the same way our teenagers do. I want you to wash the clothes, put them in the dryer, and when they get out, fold them and put them up. I want you to pick all your shoes up out of the front door and take them to your room and put them in the closet. If you dirty up the kitchen, I want you to put the dishes in the dishwasher or wash them and put them up. Okay, I'll do it. And we leave and go about our business. And we come back eight hours later. And we say, did you get the clothes? Did you do the dishes? Did you pick your shoes up? I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it. And in their mind, that's obedience. We, we treat God that way. We have a Holy Ghost service. God speaks to our hearts in the altar. He blesses us real good. He fills us up to the brim and runs us over. And we experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. We know the touch of God is upon our life. And God speaks to us. It don't... Everybody here is not a preacher, okay? I don't expect everybody to go to Atmore Prison next week and get go through the orientation and get in there and start preaching. Not what I'm saying. Everybody's not a preacher. I don't expect you to go stand out on the street corner next week and preach. But God is going to broaden your horizon. God's going to send you across the street to talk to your neighbor. God's going God's to gonna ask you to talk to that boss man on the job that never does anything but cuss everybody out. Right. God's going to ask you to talk to somebody's rebellious teenager and that their home is just in a mess because the spirit of hell is trying to blow it up. You don't know who God's got for you, where God's going. It may be somebody you're standing in a line with at Walmart. 
we went to Bass Pro Shops today to pick the pontoon boat up from getting serviced in the service department. While we were there, I told Ken, I'm gonna look for some Father's Day gifts for the men at Bible Way. I found a good gift that I know all the men will be thrilled with. And uh, there was only like seven or eight of them on the shelf. And I handed one to Kim. I said, go ask the cashier, do they have any more of these in stock? And they looked up on the computer. The computer says we got 50-something of them, but I, I can't find them. And somebody said a truck just came in with it, hadn't even unloaded the truck yet. And he said, well, I'll go get them. They went out there and got them. We took it's 22 of them. I'm just trying to guess how many fathers would be here on Sunday. So I just took it. I counted every one I could think of in my mind, and I added a few, and I said 22. We took them up to the counter and laid them on the counter. And the little cashier, she was, looked 19 maybe at the most. She looked at my wife. She said, I really want to ask you a question. And you know what it is I want to ask you. I said, you want to ask why we need so many of this? She said, yeah, I'm really curious. I said, I pastor a church. And I said, I want to get all my men a Father's Day, a nice Father's Day gift that I know that they would really use it and enjoy it. And she said, that is so sweet. That is so thoughtful. She said, wow. Anyway, we paid that girl's whole countenance and demeanor changed. We talked to her a little bit. And when we got through talking, she said, you have a blessed day. And I said, I am, young lady. You have a blessed day as well. It was just one of the, you knew that God just changed her demeanor. She knew she was in the company of people that knew God and loved God. And it changed her whole mindset. I went to Winn-Dixie and have to send those money wires overseas and the woman there, they're busy. People gripe and complain and chew them out all day long over the price of something not being right. You didn't give me enough change. Y'all left, y'all charged me too much. I want a refund, blah, 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 blah. I'm standing there in line. She gets to me. I said, I need, I need to make three money wires. And I can almost see it in her face. I, <laughs> three of them. I said, I'm sorry. It's going to take about 10 minutes at least minimum if everything goes right. She's wiring all that money. And uh, when she gets through, I slide her a tip under the counter. And it's not a dollar either. And she said, what's that for? I said, for coming to work when nobody else wants to. I said, I tip a girl at a restaurant who simply brings my plate, it's got my food on it, and then refills my cup. I said, you got an aggravating job. All you hear is gripes and complaints all day long. I said, lady, you just help me do God's work. I said, you were the servant of the Lord this morning. Big old tears welled up in her eyes. She said, thank you, sir. Nobody's ever done that before. She said, we don't get tips. I said, well, you did today. You did the Lord's work. You ain't got to be a preacher. You got Jesus living on the inside of you. All you got to be is compassionate. All you got to be is merciful. All you got to be is long-suffering and patient with somebody. And just at the mention of his name, if they're having an awful day, it can turn it around. Did I get any of them saved? No, but I planted a seed. The next preacher that comes behind me may very well win them to the Lord. One plants and another waters. God gives the increase. He ran. And here's the joy of cheerful obedience. When God said go, 
He wasn't like us. <sighs> How long have you been saved? 20 years. How many people have you ever won to the Lord? Two. What you waiting on? You know what God said to me? There was one reason that made Philip run. And that was the love he had for his Savior. Plain and simple. He loved Jesus so much that when the Lord said, go tell him about me, I'm gone. What? You mean you want me to leave Jerusalem and Judea? All my family, all my friends, the place where I'm comfortable? Yeah, go down to Samaria. I'm gone. See y'all. You're going down to preach to them bunch of heathens. I'm going. Why are you doing that? Because I love Jesus. And when he has, I mean, real earth-shaking, stomped-down, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal revival, and the whole city's filled with great joy, the Lord said, all right, leave this place and go down toward Gaza, a place that's desert, to one man that nobody else would dare talk to. And Ethiopian eunuch. Go talk to him. And he started where he was. At the place where he was. And he preached Jesus to him. Just start where they are. They're going to be messed up. Mixed up. A lot of them is going to be confused. In their ideology about Jesus. A lot of them is going to be living. Mixed up and messed up lives. Just start where they are and talk to them about Jesus. And by the time he got through talking to them about Jesus, he said, look, there's water here. Can I be baptized? He said, if you fully believe, you can be baptized. He said, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, well, let's get the business in. They got down into the water together and Philip baptized them. And the Bible said that he was caught up by the Spirit, raptured out. When he got to Azotus, I mean, you're baptizing a man, and no doubt he's rejoicing and you're rejoicing, and you're down in the water, and all of a sudden, poof, you're gone. And he's in Azotus when he comes down when he reappears or however it happened. I don't know how it happened and you don't either. Just said he was caught up by the Spirit. And then he was in Azotus preaching. I just wanted to know, Brother Steve, is his clothes wet or dry? <laughs> He's on the street preaching. Here's the joy of cheerful obedience. It's when you'll, it's when you'll obey God over this one thing he wants you to do, not only will God reward you for that by allowing the Ethiopian to get saved and rapturing you in a moment of glory, he immediately opens up another door. And he's preaching in Azotus. And the Bible said he preached in all the cities all the way into Caesarea. Preached himself all the way from Jerusalem to Rome. We hear about the Apostle Paul who preached himself from Jerusalem to Rome and all the accolades and rightfully so. He was a man of God among men. But what about Philip? He paved the way. He blazed the trail. He set the example under Saul of Tarsus. Uh, imagine what God can do with a man or for a man or through a man who will obey God on an instant and be glad about it. When God asks you to do something for him, he's not punishing you. He's really trying to bless you. He's really wanting you to know there's so much more 
what you've ever experienced. What kind of led me into this was I made mention Sunday night on preaching on the thought David's inspiration to run when he came into the valley of Elkanah or Elkanah, however you pronounce it. And that giant was down there. The Bible said that David ran to meet him. Took off in a sprint. The Lord spoke to my heart when I was preaching that and he said, I want you to check on some other people that ran to obey me. First one he brought me to was Philip. And the Lord said, I want you to see the reward of cheerful obedience. The giant fell. The unit was saved. Amen. And there was one more. You won't find it in the Bible. It has to be in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, but when they came to Paul's prison cell to tell him, today's a day, buddy. Your day's up. You're going to die. The Bible said that he took off running. And the guards were startled because all he ever did was talk to them about Jesus. And they thought, surely he's not trying to escape, capture. But he ran to the guillotine. And he laid his head down on the chopping block. And the Lord said, reward for cheerful obedience was a crown of righteousness that nobody could take from him, which fadeth not away. And he said, that crown's not for me only, but for all them that love his appearance. For all them that cheerfully obeyed his voice. Oh, God. I know it's a simple message. If you will, stand with me. Just wanted to encourage you tonight in the Lord. Whatever he's whispering into your ear. Whatever that nudge is by the Spirit of God to take that small step outside of your comfort zone and, and just walk in simple obedience. If you'll begin to run towards that and not from it. I've heard men almost brag about running from the call of God. If you'll run toward obedience. If you'll run to that field that God's called you to serve in. You're going to find the joy of cheerful obedience. You're going to see miracles that you never thought you'd ever see. You're going to see some of the worst people in the world get born again and saved. Might be your own children or grandchildren. Maybe that stubborn spouse God's going to open more doors. Doors that you never dreamed possible. If you think for a second that I ever thought I'd be a preacher or that I'd ever pastor a church, you'd be, you'd be badly mistaken because I've never seen it coming. It's just hearing God's voice saying, okay, God, I'll do that because I love you. And after I told him I'd do it, Another voice says, you're crazy. You can't do that. But the Spirit of God says, how can you not do it? You love Him. How can you say no to the one you love more than anything else in the whole world? You can't. If the Lord asks you to do it, you know that on the inside you'll be miserable if you don't. So you just run to him. Have you ever fallen flat on your face, Brother Eddie? Yeah, but it wasn't running away from him. It was running toward him. You know what happens when them babies, when you hold your hand out and you see them running to you and they fall flat on your face? 
He said, oh, run, you run to them and you pick them up. And that's exactly what God did to me if I ever fell on my face. He ran to me, picked me up, let me know he's pleased with my obedience. You're going to mess up. You're going to have good intentions and fall flat on your face. But for the joy of cheerful obedience, the thought of one getting saved, the thought of hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I got to run. I got to go. Philip, you really going to leave Jerusalem and go to Samaria? Yep. Philip, we're having revival. You really going to leave Samaria and go to the desert? For one man? Yep. You just don't know rapture is awaiting the obedient. He was raptured out to Azotus. Preached himself all the way into Rome. In these worst of worst times, I strangely feel like our greatest days as a church are ahead of us. I feel like what other men are going to be called to run away from, run and hide. God's going to tell us to run out there into that wicked world and see them get saved. To see the worst of the worst be born again. How many of you meet me in this altar tonight and say, Lord, I want to experience the joy, cheerful obedience. Cheerful obedience. I want to run to that chariot, Lord. I want to run down into the bottom of that valley and meet that giant. 